0: I really do think we need to be skeptical of what the medical system says on chronic disease prevention. Chronic disease prevention on 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 um, you know diabetes, heart disease. You know, skepticism if your doctor's saying you know pushing a statin and metformin. Uh, skepticism what they're telling you to eat. I, I I know it's harsh to say be skeptical of your doctor. I, I think there's just no bit no world where they deserve actually. They they don't deserve trust. They deserve to be listened to, but but chronic disease rates are exploding under their watch.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Art of Living Well podcast. I'm Stephanie May Potter, and I'm here with my co-host, Marnie Dachis-Marmet.
2: We created the Art of Living Well podcast to empower you to live your happiest, healthiest, and most authentic life. Each week, we will bring you inspiring and motivating conversations covering health and wellness topics, including fitness, mindset, food, travel, product reviews, and strategies from a variety of experts, including our own bank of knowledge.
1: We are excited to educate, motivate, and inspire you to change the way you perceive health and discover your art of living well. Get ready to feel inspired.
2: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Art of Living Well podcast. Before we get started with our guest, Callie Means, we wanted to mention that we will be hosting a live in-person yoga class on August 27th out on Lake Minnetonka. And Andrea of Breathe and Be Yoga will be teaching the class We're super excited for this community building event. We did this last summer as well, and it was just such a lovely way to start your Sunday. So the link to sign up is in our show notes, and we really hope to see you there. And just a reminder that if you are enjoying our podcast, if you wouldn't mind sharing it with friends or family or anyone you think might benefit from the information and heading on over to Apple Podcasts to give us a rating and review, we would so appreciate it. And now we are so excited to welcome Callie Means. Callie is the co-founder of TrueMed, a company that enables Americans to buy exercise and healthy food with FSA and HSA dollars, which we're so excited about. And he's also co-authoring a book with his sister, Casey Means, and it's an upcoming book on food as medicine. Earlier in his career, Callie was a consultant for food and pharma companies, and he is now exposing practices they use to weaponize our institutions of trust. He is a graduate of Stanford and Harvard Business School. In our conversation today with Callie, there was just so much to unpack with him, and I think Stephanie and I both learned so much. But we really talked about the conflicting interests between the big food pharma companies and the people making nutritional guidelines and policy decisions, and how all of those decisions are really affecting the health of Americans. We also talk about how nutrition research is skewed and weaponized, and how the healthcare system really incentivizes sickness and not health. And that's one of the reasons why Cali founded True Medicine so that people could use their pre tax dollars towards things that are healthy for them instead of just when they're sick. He also talks about how food is medicine and how we actually can heal ourselves using food and how we need to educate our children from a young age so that they know how to live with healthy habits and really start to incentivize people for healthy food and healthy lifestyle. And we talk about sugar and and some ways that we can fix the system. And Callie really leaves us with some practical tips and suggestions that you know people can do to advocate in their own personal lives immediately. This was such a powerful conversation, potentially co- controversial conversation. Um, and I just think that it's a really good topic to bring to the table and there's lots to discuss here no matter where your belief system lies. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, Good Health Saunas. I have had my Good Health Sauna for over a year now, and you guys, I love it so much. From the moment of purchase to the delivery and setup, Good Health Sauna staff, they've been absolutely amazing. They've answered all my questions. They did a great job with the setup. And I have started this routine where I'm working out in the morning, I'm taking a sauna, I'm showering, I'm refreshed and I feel great for the day. And I just feel relaxed during the day. I'm sleeping better at night. And I feel like I'm really adding to my overall health and happiness. And I'm also removing
1: toxins from my body. And I feel amazing. Infrared saunas produce penetrating heat to help you sweat and heal your body from the inside. Sweating on a regular basis in your good health sauna can help you feel rejuvenated. There are so many health benefits of regular infrared sauna use that include detoxification, immune system support, muscle repair, chronic pain relief, relaxation, deeper sleep, and so much more. I've been using my sauna now regularly for the last several weeks and love how relaxed I feel, especially when I do it in the evening as part of my routine. It really helps me unwind from the day and improve my sleep. So why not bring the benefits and convenience of the sauna experience into your home with a commercial grade Good Health Sauna? Good Health Sauna has three stores, one at the Mall of America in Minnesota and two in Wisconsin, in Appleton and Waukesha, but they ship anywhere in the US. For more information on the various sizes and options and for your special offer for all of our listeners, head on over to their website, www.goodhealthsaunas with an S, com and mention the Art of Living Well podcast. Hi, Kelly. Marnie and I are truly beyond excited to have you on our show today and talk about a topic that is probably one, if not one of the most important issues that we believe needs to be addressed to make real sustainable change to the health of Americans and honestly, people around the world. And I first heard you on the Drew Pruitt podcast mm-hmm. and I immediately reached out via Instagram because we really wanted to have you on the show. So thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're really busy right now to come on our podcast today. And, you know, Marnie and I both really believe, and we've shared this on our show before, that health is a birthright, not mm-hmm. privilege, which is really the essence of the work that you're so passionate about. And we just can't wait for you to share all the really behind the scenes insight and knowledge that you have with our listeners today.
0: So excited to be here and jump into it.
1: Great. Great. So before we really dive into the nuts and bolts of the interview, one question we love to ask all of our guests is what is your one non-negotiable to start each day?
0: It's a great question and this is this has been evolving on the uh, on the journey here, but but for me right now it, it's movement. I really think that we have been put in boxes as humans and and and, and just so many incentives of our modern world are to put us in the sedentary environment. I have a you know, 15 month old child, our first one, and he just gets up and wants to move or just, you know, wants to be in the sunlight, wants to explore. And then so quickly we put kids in schools at desks and we put, we're all at desks. And this just isn't, I, I'm just very much on this framework of, you know, modern society, which has a lot of great uh, advances and, and and a lot of things I wouldn't trade has taken humans and essentially put us in boxes, made us sedentary, we're eating processed food, we're, we're, we're doing all these things that are just completely unnatural. So I, I've really been on this this, this kick of um, at least doing some kind of movement, stretching, trying to exercise every morning to kind of get in touch with our body, which I think uh, so many incentives of the modern world, uh, so many economic incentives are trying to take us away from connection and awe and uh, just just understanding of our, our body.
1: Absolutely. I we couldn't agree more with that. Um I know that's something that Marnie and I both love to do every morning, so we're right there with you.
2: So, Callie, as we start to dive into this conversation, we'd love for you to share a little bit about kind of your journey and your life's work and how it's culminated in exposing big food and ultimately, mm. you know, you're starting the company True Medicine which is that issues diet and lifestyle habit plans to prevent and reverse disease through tax-free spending, which would be like your HSA or your FSA accounts. So can you tell us a little bit about that journey? in a nutshell yeah. cuz yeah. we have a lot yeah. of things I'm trying to get the life you.
0: story in a quick nutshell, but yeah. um but <laughs> I've had an interesting road to health and wellness, you know, probably much different than a lot of the folks uh, that you talked to. So I started my career, you know, early let's, let's start earlier in my life. I uh, born and raised in Washington DC and uh, my dad in the 70s was was in public policy and, you know, so that was kind of my world. I wanted to to contribute to politics. And I worked on some campaigns early in my career, and then inevitably, after the campaigns, I found myself um, across the table, basically consulting. You know, most people just go, kind of go into consulting after the campaigns, and but, but I was with folks that I was on the other side of the aisle from. You know, basically everyone from both parties they go into this this public affairs kind of consulting world uh, in D.C. And I inevitably find themselves across the table from the two largest spenders in DC, which is uh, number one pharmaceutical companies, and number two is food companies. So I was working for Coke, um, and we could dive more into that, but but helping them do things like, you know, protect government funding and programs like you know, food stamps, SNAP, um, for soda, and then pharma, you know, particularly at, at the time about 12 years ago, helping to basically protect, you know, opioids, which were under, th- I mean, it, you know really in retrospect some some sketchy stuff but it's it's super normalized in DC so so didn't love that got out of that world, uh, got more into startups, went to business school, got into startups, um, was in the e-commerce world. but as impacted and kind of on this journey and, and kind of reassessing those earlier points in my life through a couple couple quick prisms. number one is my sister was a physician, she was the pride of the family. a a year after me at stanford but you know i was i was economics she was she was biology and then you know was the top biology student in her undergrad and then um went to med school was the top of her class and uh then a surgeon and you know just just going up the the ladder and and the family was so proud of her and then she abruptly quit and she's my best friend and uh, i was shocked Um, But she basically said that she was doing surgery on on someone. It was her third surgery of the day. And she looked down and cutting out their sinus inflammation. and had no idea why that person was sick, uh, why why they even had inflammation. She just learned at med school how to cut out the inflammation, not what causes it, um, and realized actually she did not take one uh, nutrition class, all of Stanford med school. And 80% of doctors today still do not graduate with one nutrition class. Doctors just systematically don't actually learn why people are getting sick. Um, So she, she, she quit and kind of on on a journey there got much more into metabolic health. And the last thing I'll just, just say is just being super inspired by that kind of looking backwards. uh, My my mom abruptly died two years ago of pancreatic cancer, which my sister and I, knowing what I know from her now, you know, wasn't a random uh, condition. Like the doctors at, at Stanford hospital told us Um, it's, it's, you know, many of these conditions that are that are hurting us, hurting our parents, our, uh, our metabolic conditions are tied to food. And then, um, looking forward, you know, I, I have, uh, you know, as I mentioned, a, a new young child, and I think the world children are walking into is, is really scary with 30% uh, pre-diabetes, uh, diabetes, and, uh, 50% of teens overweight or obese. So there's something happening there. There's, there's incentives, Happening and and I, I guess just tying it kind of connecting the dots, tying it to my political career. There's real there's an invisible hand of incentives. Um, I I really think at play, which is the most important issue in the world, where uh, the two largest industries that I that I used to consult for, they make more money when people are addicted, you know, to basically toxic food, which, which makes them sicker for longer periods of time, which is how the healthcare system makes money. Ninety five percent. Of revenue in the healthcare system is interventions on people that are already sick. So, tying that all together, I, I wanted to speak out and and try to, with my sister, devote uh, my time to to changing those incentives.
2: Wow. That is so yeah. much to unpack. <laughs> like, <wow. laughs> so
0: I, I know you asked for a short one. Yeah. Uh, there's probably no, a, too much, uh, <laughs> too I mean, much from to unpack the, there.
2: <laughs> you know, the metabolic conditions to the like, it, I, I just wonder, like, you know, and I don't want to attack big pharma or these sure. big food companies, but do you, th- I, I have to believe that the people that are going, you know, coming out of schools and going to work for these companies don't have the goal of making people people sicker and the, the doctors yeah. going to med school, you know, are altruistic when they're going in and, you know, they're learning what they learn and I'm just wondering like who who is like who's coming in from the top and saying, you know, we need to keep the Americans sick yeah. so that we can make all our money. Like where is that coming from?
0: So I think this is this is a key question because I think almost implicitly people are like, well, I know my doctor or my friend works at a soda company. They're not evil people. Like how can this be? So yeah, I can I can unpack that a, a little bit because I de- I definitely feel it. You know, my, we all know doctors. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just just from my perspective, I went to Harvard Business School. Um, a lot of my friends, you know, eighty five percent of that class of you know ostensibly smart people, they go into traditional industry. And and my kind of narrative is a lot of. Pre- I have one friend in particular who wrote their essay to get in about changing healthcare, about reforming healthcare incentives. And then, because of this pull of you know going the traditional route, you know pressure from parents, you know things we all feel, they they go um, and work at the healthcare practice at McKinsey, which just settled a, a lawsuit uh, for uh, I think it was like six hundreds of millions of dollars because they helped explicitly uh, Purdue Pharma you know over prescribe opioids. Um, you have that again and again. I mean, friends that are working at Pepsi friend that wrote about reforming the food system, friends that are working at pharma that are talking about, you know, changing healthcare. So so that you just have this, it's kind of a microcosm, I think, at, at, at business school that I saw, but you kind of have this system where I think people in their gut want to change incentives, but there's this centrifugal force towards like, traditional industries that I really do think, and I think this is a trend, probably the biggest, one of the biggest trends in America right now, but our institutions are failing us uh, to a massive degree. So here's what I'd say, though, diving into it. Yes, the, the, the genius of the system, the, the architectural design of uh, these big industries, particularly food and uh, healthcare, pharma, is that they're able to take good people and give them plausible deniability uh, essentially. So the, the dean of, a, you know, medical school or the CEO of a pharmaceutical company or the head of a hospital, they can look down and feel like they're doing, you know, making drugs, helping people who are you know, going to have a heart issue, um, you know, educating leaders. So they can look down and actually, but, but no, no, not one person to the head of the NIH to, to anywhere, not one person is responsible for asking why there's such a cataclysm happening. And that I believe is not one person, but is this genius of a of a system that is making money and predicated on more people being sick. So I was actually speaking, you know, on this tirade just as an example of a leading doctor at Harvard, and I've I've been talking a lot about Ozempic and how um, you know this weight this weight miracle weight cure. Um, there's there's now massive obesity clinics being built in, at Harvard and other places that are predicated on more people to treat, on more lifetime management of obesity. And the perverse incentive there is that when you build a new obesity center, you literally have to create an economic model showing growth in patient populations in order to justify a loan, like to build the center and then justify a hiring plan. And the doctor told me, they they said if they could snap their fingers and people would not be obese they'd do it. But the fact of the matter is they manage a team of fifty people, and if less people started becoming obese and needing treatment and not get in, and basically if they started getting better, there would be layoffs. They would not be able to build a new center. This is everything. I mean, any city you go to. I'm in Phoenix, the largest. Building in the in the in the city is a children's hospital, you know, with a huge car, car you know, with a huge heart center and a huge liver trans, uh, liver transplant ward. I mean, the fact that all of these new like buildings and specialties, you know, for for uh, fatty liver disease for kids or or heart issues for kids, it's like it's like it's actually celebrated as progress. You know, you know, it's actually like there's a ribbon cutting ceremony. Um, you know, uh, the, the doctors are celebrated as heroes on a micro level. They they kind of are, but like here here's where I kind of link it and 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 do put a little bit of a blame. I I do think every doctor knows that patients aren't getting better. I think they know that their paycheck is predicated on more patients getting sick. I think they their speech is relatively curbed by the fact that their mortgage is paid for by this system. And I think they know it. And I think that shows up in the fact that doctors have the highest rate of burnout and suicide of any profession in America. Um, Because I actually, I do think they're a little bit trapped. I think there's easier ways to make money. I think they're very dedicated. And I think the perverse system in America right now is we actually do bring the best and the brightest from around the world to get in the medical system. Um, They're very dedicated. And I think a lot of people are trapped, you know, feeling like, geez, you know, uh, th- basically they're they're just a wash in, in in sick kids all day, and um, and it's not getting better. Um, and to speak out about that would be to to get reprimanded by the hospital, because that that's not how they make money. So yeah, I I, I think it's a you know I, I I am optimistic actually, but uh, but, but I but I think the last thing I'd say is it's just this is the key thing to understand is, is healthcare, it, it, it's shocking to me, but it's the largest and fastest growing industry in the country. Like fat, largest and fastest growing of, of every major industry. It's faster. So it's just like, it's the, almost like this machine that like is just built to grow. And I think a huge part of that is this gaslighting of like, it's just a gaslighting of like moral clarity. It's like, there actually is a way to to solve this, like like the the head of the dean of Harvard Medical School, that's building new, you know, obesity clinics. It, it's it's the, you know, for any university, it's the largest, you know, revenue center. I mean, it's these are huge businesses. I think it's like 7% of all US GDP goes through university hospitals. I mean, it, it's crazy. But but they could say tomorrow that uh, you know, we should cut childhood recommended sugar to zero. Um, it's now 10% they could say we have a metabolic health crisis and we have to immediately like cut sugar for, for kids. I mean, if 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 medical leaders said that tomorrow with the urgency we did with COVID, like that would happen. Like we listen to medical leaders. They, they have that option available to them, but they won't do it because this basically metabolic issues, eight of the 10 leading killers of Americans being basically tied to food, you know, is what's driving costs.
1: Yeah. And then I think there's so much here and it seems so daunting. And like at a very simplistic view, it's like big pharma and big food, they're the way that they incentivize their employees is really what's driving the behaviors. And then this like continued, like you said, like the obesity clinics that are opening up. And then if they don't produce a number of people, you know, then they they shut down. Right? right. And so it's really because we're not being incentivized to truly get to the root of these issues, the metabolic conditions and the overall health of Americans, because that's too simple. And, you know, like we, we've said this before on our podcast, you know, growing more fruits and vegetables is not going to make these companies money. Right. And then everything just fall, you know, but it's like, there has to be, you know, it's like, we're trying to move this huge monstrous ship. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. It's just, there's so much, there's so much to unpack here. It's like, where, where to go, but I mean, you've, you've already started talking about the relationship with big food and big pharma and kind of mm. what you saw. And I want our listeners to, to, cho- to know as well that this tweet that kind of helped you go viral a little bit <laughs> that came out in January, It just exposing Coke's efforts. And I know there's a lot of people that buy Coke products and drink them on a regular basis, or if it's not Coke, it's another similar type of drink. Right. And maybe you can kind of talk a little bit about that, about what you saw firsthand and explain getting people to understand, because I know Marnie and myself live in this space, you know, a lot and you, and so we hear, and we've been hearing it for years, but a lot of people don't know what's going on kind of behind the scenes.
0: Yeah. So, so I think, I think it is a big, this is a massive challenge. So I think what's been helpful is really painting specific pictures of, of how this works. And my hope is that this, at least like, you know, these stories coming out just helps, folks as individuals, as parents, you just, just, I honestly think um, having some healthy distrust of the system, honestly, is a, is a key to empowerment. So that's kind of my goal with these stories of like, of like, just kind of realizing these levers are, are very slanted against us. And then maybe that propelling, you know, independent thinking that has at least been helpful for me, but, uh, but here's a story about Coke. So it was about, it was about 12 years ago. And yeah, you said some folks drink coke. It's like I'm not like a zealot to never like you know do have sugar or have alcohol. I mean, I, I think I think that's almost like missing the point. The 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 key thing here is that the U.S. government funds hundreds of billions of dollars uh, of direct payments to the products that are causing devastation to health and trillions of dollars of healthcare costs. So with, with soda specifically, uh, food stamps now called snap, uh, is the nutrition program for 15% of Americans, uh, the low income bracket, it's over hundred billion dollars a year. The number one item on the, this nutrition program is sugary drinks, 10% and 70% of all dollars in the program go to ultra processed food, which is unique to any other developed country. Uh, you know, no, no, no country in Europe lets the, you know, low income, uh, nutrition program money go to sugary drinks. So, but that's the number one item it's, it's billions and billions of dollars to Coke and Pepsi a year. It's a material part of their revenue. And in 2011, 2012, obviously some members of Congress were like, why are we doing this? So I actually was working for Coke as they were trying to stunt those efforts And what they do is um, they ask, how do we basically rig institutions of trust? So one organization we went to is civil rights groups. So the NAACP and the Hispanic Federation, uh, Coke transferred them millions of dollars. And the goal was to racialize the debate. It's very perverse uh, in a way because the folks being hurt the most are lower income children, particularly children of color, you know the, the the big disparities in life expectancy between socioeconomic and racial groups in this country. You know the predominantly is because of nutrition, uh, more than more than any other issue by far. But, and, and and you know obviously the NAACP should be advocating for you know the whole food diet for their communities. But no, they they took money and then they basically said it was racist to take uh, to take the soda away from from these kids. Even though. Which was
2: just to interrupt you, just to clarify that Coke wanted them to say that. Right. Yeah. Like that yeah, was Coke, Coke paid
0: them to say to Mokes racialize was, it.
2: OK, that's yeah. Coke so,
0: paid them to say and the New York Times report at the time. And they, and they did a bunch of press saying that it was like almost like patronizing to tell, you know, these uh, their communities what to drink, um, which is a perversion of the debate because it's not really telling them what to drink. It's just saying if there's going to be a government program it's almost like, like Coke is a sugar is a very highly addictive product with no nutritional value by any definition of the, of the, how we define a addictive drug. It is one. So it's like, you know, I'm not really, I'm a libertarian. I, I, I don't really support banning necessarily cigarettes or alcohol, you know, even things like marijuana, like I'm fine with being legalized. I don't think we should be funding them for kids with government money. Right. right. You know. Those
1: are two yeah. different issues. Those you can do what you different. want yeah. on your own time yeah. with your own funds.
0: Right. But
1: it breaks my heart to see, and I've you know volunteered over years at like organizations where there's moms that are recovering from substance and they have mm. kids and they're feeding they're like juice in a bottle for a baby and it's yeah. just perpetuating this lifetime of needing healthcare, right. you know, and which is like you have said. Is then making money for various, you know, from the hospitals to the insurance companies. Basically, the bottom line,
2: what what I'm hearing you say is that all of these places, whether they're, you know, whether they're the Cokes or they're the organizations that are nonprofits or whatever, just trying to be, are being per- bought off by funds. The money is overtaking yeah. the not even morality, but the, you know, the good and the well-being of the people.
0: Yeah. I mean, they've successfully kind of like taken, yeah. I guess it's like this. It's like the 30% teenage pre-diabetes rate is like, it's to me, it's like the biggest issue in the world. It's like, it's like literally like cellular dysfunction. It's like it guarantees that child, you know, is gonna probably be more, you know, much more likely to be depressed. Why is that? Well. Prediabetes diabetes is your cells dysregulating. It's, it's cellular dysfunction. It's like, that's, you know, most your energy is produced in your head. It's like, it's like, there's a lot of studies around this. If you have pre-diabetes or diabetes, you're much more prone to depression. You know, obviously, you know, 99% of people with full fledged di- uh, type two diabetes have at least one other comorbidities. I think it's like 80% have at least three. I mean, you're, you're basically signing these kids up to be uh lifetime patients, you know, not now, of course it's a, another sidebar, but, you know, they're much more likely to be obese. And now they're pushing lifetime injections on 12 year olds. I mean, so, so, so it's like, it's like, there's just one thing after the other. So, you know, but, 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 but just getting to that for a second, none of these chronic condition cures, cure. they don't cure. In fact, you know, the more you know, stans we prescribe, the more heart disease is going up, the more metformin we prescribe, the more diabetes is going up, the more SSRIs we prescribe, the more depression goes up. It's like, you basically get these kids on all these things to manage and then things just keep going up because it's not causing, curing the root cause, which is, which is food. So, yeah. So like, that's the devil's bargain. Um, and, and yeah, Coke's kind of like, almost like taken, um, food companies have almost like, it's almost like invalid, to talk about nutrition as a root of that just just bizarrely but in addition to the NAACP, and i think the way they're able to do that is food companies are the lifeblood of nutrition research in the united states The food companies spend 11 times more on foundational nutrition research than the NIH um so i i saw that and helped coordinate donations from everywhere to harvard to tufts to you know other prominent nutrition and public health schools you know that have produced foundational studies, even to this day, questioning whether sugar causes obesity during that time. And today Coke and other processed food companies are able to uh, donate directly to uh, health groups. Uh, the American Diabetes Association has accepted millions of dollars from Coke, which is just, I mean, I, I can't, I can't even, it's like, it—it it, it it's yeah, a joke.
2: It is, <laughs> it,
0: it is like the lung cancer association accepting money from, from cigarette Pick companies, right? which, which I think right? they did in the eighties, exactly. but, 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 but it but it is it's it's actually probably worse but yeah and, and then the American Academy of Pediatrics accepted money so 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 it's it's a very systematic effort and then of course there's just the rank corruption of just d- direct political donations so um yeah i mean like that's kind of how it happens and it's created again it's created this thing where the American Diabetes Association is not calling out sugary drinks as a reason why 50% of american adults now have prediabetes or diabetes. That that was kind of it was just interesting to see it close up, but it's very systematic.
2: And now a quick shout out to our sponsor Organify. Organify is a line of organic superfood blends that offers plant-based nutrition made with high-quality ingredients. Each Organifi blend is science-backed to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic and free of fillers and contain less than three grams of sugar per serving.
1: I discovered Organifi about three years ago and fell in love with the gold chocolate blend, which I enjoy in the evenings. I love that it contains ashwagandha, which reduces stress and supports a healthy cortisol level. And it really gives me that fix when I want something chocolatey or sweet in the evening. And it's perfect and nice and calming before bed.
2: And I'm really enjoying the Organifi green juice, which has a ton of superfoods in it, and it's so much easier than juicing. And it's also great if you struggle to get your greens in. Each Organifi blend is easy to use by simply mixing it with water. It's great on the go, and there's no compromise in quality for taste.
1: Organifi takes great pride in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market at a price less than $3 a day. You can experience Organifi's high quality superfoods too by heading over to organifi.com slash livingwell that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com com slash livingwell and use our code livingwell for 20% off your entire order.
2: So what can we do about this? Like, you know, we can talk about this and talk about it and talk about it and point fingers at Coke and all these organizations. But like, what can we do? What can I do to, to
1: move this forward and to like, I want to see change. Well, and I know, Callie, you've been in, you know, you were recently in D.C. Mm-hmm. or within the last couple months, yeah, meeting yeah. with members of Congress. So maybe you can touch on that as well.
0: Yeah, so I think it's like bottoms up and top down. I I actually am optimistic because I think just mathematically we're on an unsustainable trajectory because we're literally like we say this, but like people's eyes gloss over. But like we truly are going to go bankrupt because of healthcare costs. Like we're at twenty percent of GDP now, growing as I said at the fastest rate of any industry. It's going to be forty percent of GDP in in fifteen years and. We truly are becoming like not hyperbolically like a um, sick, depressed, infertile, you know, civilization. Um, you know, our bodies are 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 actually like exponentially like refusing to produce life. Like male sperm counts down fifty percent. You know, uh, you know, PCOS is as we all know, uh, you know, is 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 going up, and 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 fertility problems for women and men. Um, this is all happening at once. And to me, that's just, if you could have a warning sign, that's more kind of blaring. It's like our evolutionary functions are almost like at risk of of, of reproducing, you know, of course the medical system. And, and you know, it, again, it's, it's complicated and we should, this is what's complicated because there are miracles that happen with IVF and all these things, but it's like, you know, that on a micro level is great. Many friends have done that. It's just, but it's just like, no, we it, we we are having systematic issues with with all of this stuff. So I actually just think like in a way that's hopeful <laughs> because it's like so bad. It actually has to be, like we, we literally like we're literally going to be like a non competitive, completely non competitive uh, civilization. So and I think America is actually good at changing things like slowly, but 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 pretty decisively when the facts are clear and like podcasts like from 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 you to you know to, to to just very diverse comedians I'm talking to comedians J- Joe Rogan obviously he's talking a lot yeah. about this he's got diverse but but you know uh people on the left and the right and the middle and um health podcasts so okay But, but but here's kind of my theory of change so 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 Bottoms up, you know, I, I do think there's millions of people that are kind of like taking matters in their own, own hands and realize there are food. I, I mean, this is hyper, this is strong, but I do think it, in some degrees it's poison with all of the chemicals, all the glyphosate, Yeah. Um. you know, uh, the soil degrading right now. So I just think it's like more people taking curiosity and reading books by Mark Hyman and Robert Lustig, Sarah Gottfried, like just like going on the path of like more, um, understanding about metabolic health and what they're feeding their kids. I mean, that's happening. And I know a lot of your listeners are doing that. And I just think that's a very positive development. I would also just say my addition to that, and this is again, somewhat strong, but I think warranted it's like, I, I really do think we need to be skeptical of what the medical system says on chronic disease prevention, chronic disease prevention on, 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 um, you know, diabetes, heart disease, you know, skepticism, if your doctor's saying, you know, pushing a statin and metformin, uh, skepticism, what they're telling you to eat. I, I I know it's harsh to say, be skeptical of your doctor. I, I think there's just no, no world where they deserve actually they, they don't deserve trust. They deserve to be listened to, but but chronic disease rates are exploding under their watch. Now, if you have an acute issue, if you have an infection, if you have a complicated childbirth, right. if you have um something that's going to imminently kill you, the medical system's a miracle for that. I, I just think there's a differentiation. Acute issues, you know, a surgery uh, for like a broken bone or something. It's like that's great. Chronic distrust. Okay. So that's that's bottom up talking out you know, I would encourage actually meeting with lawmakers, you know, to let lawmakers know the health of our children, all that stuff is important. Okay. That, but top down, there's actually really easy things we can do. And we're having conversations with them. I mean, one is just stop funding sugary drinks. You know, the farm bill is up right now. I just actually just published an op-ed with a member of Congress. It's just, it's very simple. It's like, it's like snap food stamp funding shouldn't be funding hundreds of millions of dollars of sugary drinks. You know, it's simple economics. If you just stop doing that, sorry, hundreds of Billions of dollars over the next yeah. seven years. If you stop doing that, economics change. I mean, a Coke is cheaper than a water right now because there's so much subsidies. We have, you know, all of our agriculture subsidies. You know, ninety percent of them go to ultra processed food ingredients. So that that's my framework. It's cut the subsidies, and then number two is stop recommending things. So, um, just real quickly. I think the most shameful regulation in the country is that the USDA and the nutrition guidelines for Americans says 10% added sugar is okay for Americans two years and up. We don't recommend cigarettes. We don't recommend alcohol. Like, there's not a recommended range. Uh, there should not be a recommendation for sugar. That should be zero. It should not be banned. But the second you make that zero. You know, at the birthday parties right now, where you know all the kids are running around like mathematics, and and it's normalized to give everyone <laughs> yeah. sugar. That's you know, kind of like okay, parents, what, what are they doing? It's like, well, they're following recommendations. I mean, like like the USDA, everyone, people listen. Like when Dr. Fauci said everyone to get the vaccine, most people did. Like like for better or worse, like you know, like uh like like if if the medical community said zero. Then the social pressure at that party would be not to loading not to load the kids up with sugar. Right now they're following the recommendation. So it's just like the second we just have the government have the moral courage, and it is moral courage because 95% of the people who made the previous nutrition guidelines had a conflict of interest from pharma or food. You know, you need to stand against this intense pressure and just say no, just say the recommendation for sugar should be zero. That would transform society. Uh if we just if, if the government literally just stopped. Funding sugar, and then said we shouldn't eat it. Not ban it. Just say it's not me- it's not medically good to eat it.
1: <laughs> well, it doesn't need to be part of your caloric no. diet. Right. You can have it on occasion, but uh, you know, 100%. and it's a slippery slope because it is addictive, as has exactly. been proven. Then I'm sure most kids are actually exceeding at the age of two or three, exceeding the daily recommended allowance. I'm it's for, not just ten percent. It's way more than ten percent. We'd be. Exactly. much better if it was only
0: 10%. And,
2: actually. I mean, in all honesty, like my kids are older now, but when they were little, I didn't know oh. anything. Like this wasn't even on my radar. I remember when my son, my oldest turned 1, we could not wait to put him in his high chair with his with cake, chocolate right. cake right. and have him dig in and put it all over his face and it's like a rite of
0: passage and I mean, what were we thinking? Like I, I don't blame parents, honestly. I don't right. even blame, I don't blame the societal them today. pressure it's too. Like, you right. have to, in society, like I've chosen to kind of be a psycho and talk about this all the time. It's just like, in society, you have to defer, you know, some things to the, to the experts. And it's just like, we've just totally been let down. So it's like, I would just, you know, yeah. Thinking about parents, it's just like, they look up what the American Academy pediatrics says. They look up what the USDA nutrition guy. It, it's just like, if those change. It's like with cigarettes. It's like in, in, when the Surgeon General came out hard against cigarettes in the 1980s, it's like smoking rates plummeted. They plummeted. Interestingly, Philip Morris and all the companies started diversifying the food now and then it became yeah. one of the largest food companies, but kind of taking the, their business model. But yeah, it's just like, it's just like, I actually am in less and less on I, I, personal responsibility is very important to me. I'm a libertarian guy, but like when when 80% of adults are obese or overweight um you know these rates of diabetes we talked about people aren't systematically trying to hurt themselves and hurt their kids it's just like we really are following um both the incentives both with you know what we fund and and kind of push on people we're pushing drugs on people and then recommendations like th- there's there's no pub- there's few public health leaders ringing the alarm on this so that th- that's what i think a lot of people are waking up to and i do think i, I think at some point you're going to have public health authorities At least, you know, just say sugar, you know, a radical statement like we shouldn't be encouraging kids to eat sugar.
1: (laughs) Well, I just ironically, just two days ago in The Wall Street Journal, I read an article that there's a debate going on right now about pulling chocolate milk from schools, from elementary schools. And that was something I was very involved in wellness committees at my children's school and district that we tried to get even just like one day a week have chocolate milk. And so the fact I, I read it, you know, I'm a little skeptical, of course, but I'm like, well, there's some hope here. This is where you're getting to like hope. It is being discussed if it's in the Wall Street Journal about making some changes, right? Now, yeah, we, I don't want to go down that whole dairy path, but it's right. similar to the Coke and the subsidies and everything you're talking about as well.
0: Yeah, the, the, the dairy is a whole nother, be, the whole nother just animal the lobbying, the lobbying there and stuff. But uh, well, and definitely, a, I think, yeah.
2: I was just going to say, that's where I want to say, like, again, you know, you, it's such a big issue. It's like overwhelming. And, you know, realistically, I'm not going to be doing what you're doing and going to Congress and lobbying and talking to all these big companies, but what can I do here? I am sitting in Minneapolis. You, you mentioned a couple of things like, you know, stop buying sugary drinks and going to my doctor and kind of taking what they say with a grain of salt, right? Like having Eureka a healthy Avenue. dose of skepticism unless it's right, right, right. You know, going in for an emergency or whatever it is. But like, what can I do to drive this issue yeah. forward? I really, really want to do something and I'm like at a loss on what to do.
0: Yeah. So so on a personal level, my sister and I have kind of been working on a formulation here and, and suggestions. I'm sure you guys have talked about this, but, but we really liken it to the Unholy trinity of ingredients. So, on a personal level, if you can look at the labels for three things, we think you're getting a, a large percentage of the way there. Um, obviously, the first one is sugar, but I, I think it's just really clear just to ram this point home again. It's just like if you can really try to rob sugar, particularly liquid sugar. Uh, which sneaks in so many places. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's just, we all know this, but it's just like, I mean, truly like going to my dad's um, house, who's like really trying to be healthy and has two kids that are like on the mission here. You go through and the the creamer, right? is you know, five grams. It's just like, it sneaks in everywhere. But the second is, you know, industrial seed oils, you know, canola oil, sunflower oil, soybean oil. You know, we I, these are being talked about more But these are wrecking havoc. And I don't think, you know, we need, there are scientific studies, but it's just like, let's just back up. These are um, inventions of the past hundred years that are truly like byproduct of industrial oil production. They're actually created largely by Rockefeller as a byproduct of of some of his manufacturing uh, in the early 1900s. Um, And there's massively cheaper fats than, you know, whole you know, more natural fats like olive oil or, you know, avocados or animal fats, things like that. Um, It's the number one source of American fats right now. It's, we're just evolutionarily not made to eat these things. They're causing a lot of inflammation, but they sneak in everywhere. I and mean, you go to hell, whole foods and buy hummus and your, you know, plant-based creamer and things like that. I mean, you, you know, just, just, they're actually everywhere. I mean, it is staggering where, you know, as it's, it's, you guys have seen these ingredients and then highly processed grains. I mean, if you can really cut, processed grains I and mean, we hear these stories on italy and eating pasta and losing weight it's like our grains are our poison i really believe that with the glyphosate and then you know the processing takes off the fiber i i'm not trying to sound too conspiratorial i i really do think there is something absolutely corrupt and wrong with the grains in america and if you can stay away from the processed grains um as much as possible You're going to, so you're going to do those, if you do those three things and then, and then then the second, I mean, it's just like, I think we're getting a little bit too much like around protocols. Like there's great help podcasts. It's like this protocol for this protocol for this, like cold punch for three minutes, like eat this. It's just like, it's just like, we should just try to eat as less poison as possible. I mean, it goes back. I mean, and it's really helped me with this, but it's just like, you know, think about, the grains, you know, if, if it's not, uh, you know, if it's um, not organic and highly processed and super cheap, you're probably eating just like glyphosate, chemical covered like crap. If you're buying really cheap meat, you know, that's factory raised, I mean, th- that's just completely different meat that we're evolutionarily made to eat. It's just like we're just eating things with chemicals, hormones. So as much as you can stick to pasture raised meat, you know, wild fish, things like that, I mean, but those, those are a couple, couple, couple of suggestions i have and you know and, and i would also just say it, it's basic i mean like like whole foods like avoid ultra processed food it's like it's like there's a lot of influencers there's a lot of books trying to be sold but it's just like if you can really like have curiosity about that for your you and your family which i, I know a lot of your listeners on i'm on that uh, on that track to, you know you just you get a lot of the way there well and
1: what you're saying just goes back and we referred to the blue zones probably dozens of times on right. this podcast but if you look at the people around the world that are living the longest and living like high quality lives from a longevity standpoint it's the blue zones and they're not consuming these foods we know that right so it's just basic and they're not they don't do protocols either and they're not right. probably on a supplement regime of 20 different supplements cuz the food that they're getting is more nutrient dense so it's like going back to basics which is so simple but not easy and maybe that's a good segue into true medicine and what you're doing cuz i think that's going to really revolutionize You know, how people are able to live a healthier life, but still be able to, you know, to to support themselves and more from like a financial standpoint, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think I think it all goes down to incentives. It's just like right now, people are incentivized to eat very processed food, which is subsidized and cheap. Um, and then healthcare only kicks in, you know, once you're really sick. So, you know, if you get diabetes and obesity and um, high blood pressure, all those things, you're gonna get your drugs basically free, you know, but the kind of intervening period, you know, to stay healthy, to prevent those things, to, to eat healthy, to exercise, as you said, all of these things have become kind of a hassle, the supplements, the um, exercise, the cold plunge, we actually have all these habits that are somewhat expensive and kind of hassles to basically put back in what's been taken out by modern life and i think these habits are necessary um but they are hassles i mean they weren't part of normal life cuz these habits used to be just embedded into you know movement and eating healthy and sunlight they all used to be kind of embedded but but we need these habits and i think in order to move this or you know move this forward we need to you know as a public policy matter and this is how we started the company you know we asked how can we incentivize how can we actually just It's very simple, but save money on healthy food, on exercise and things like that. And I think we need to move and really think about where healthcare spending goes. So we spend $4 trillion on healthcare. So in a a kind of perfect world, if we just ask, how do we spend that $4 trillion to promote health, we would ask, how do we use that to incentivize things like exercise and healthy eating? So, we asked, how can we do that right now? And we found a way with HSA FSA funds, which are these, you know, it's about $140 billion people currently have right now. Most working Americans have access to an HSA FSA account. I never used it because it's kind of confusing what you can use it for. What we found is that if you had a doctor's note that said you can eat these foods, exercise in order to, you know, prevent diabetes, which most people get, you can actually. Use your funds to buy metabolically healthy things, to buy healthy food, to buy exercise. You just need that doctor's note. And so we asked, how can you provide, how can we provide that doctor's note, which can be preventative even to as many people as possible in a compliant way? Well, now with COVID telehealth rules, you can do that, you know, online asynchronously. And what TrueMed is, is it's a payment integration. So literally, as you're paying for, think about, Peloton or Athletic Greens or your favorite supplements or you know your gym class or your yoga class you know we're, we're we're not on all those places but we're you know that that's kind of where we're going is like right as you're buying those products instead of a firm or PayPal or pay with credit card you'll you'll see our payment option you'll see TrueMed and then right in the payment flow you know you'll answer a couple health questions the first time we'll prove you if, if if you qualify. And then you can use your uh, HSA FSA card or we'll give you reimbursement instructions. So it's a couple extra clicks right in the payment flow. And that's an effective, you know, what your tax rate is. So it's 30, 40%, you know, whatever your income tax rate is, um, savings to buy that. So so now it's just announced yesterday that a family can $10,000 a year can be in these accounts. So, you know, if you take a 34, you know, it's 3000 ish dollar savings a year in a in a pretty seamless way that we're trying to unlock. so truemad but but th- th- it's an example. I think that we're excited we're very excited about this and and I think I think it's part of the future. But the more we can use these dollars that are um, advantaged that 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 are kind of waiting there to go to drugs once we get sick, if we can use those to stay healthy, that's better public policy.
2: So let me ask you a question. So you have the relationship with the customer, meaning me. Yes. If I have an HSA account, yes, or FSA account whatever, um and the company like Peloton, so yes. they're contracting with you and then I'm coming to you through them. Basically right. if I'm buying the Peloton, it's right there. So I couldn't come to you and say, "Hey, can you cover this?" an individual person, you have to have the contract with the specific company. Is that correct? That's
0: our model right now because we just want to make it as seamless as possible. That's our guiding principle. So that we think the most seamless way is that we're embedded with brands that you love and care about. You come to our, you, you max out $10,000 for your family. You come to TrueMed, you can map out where you want to spend it, but then you can map out and plan if, you're, if, you, if you contribute say that $10,000, you're going to buy the palatine for your family that you're going to spend this amount on food that you're going to spend this amount on supplements that you're going to spend this amount, um, you know, or, or purchase a new sauna, or you can kind of map out your spend and then just buy it as you normally would. You we're basically the the glue uh, throughout digital commerce that enables you to spend that, that money on healthy brands. And then we embedded in those companies do the compliance work.
2: So are the companies paying you then or is yeah, the, the business model, it's nothing you? for the
0: consumer. It's nothing, okay. it's nothing for the consumer. And then we take, we run the payment and take a small cut from the payment from the merchant, which um, from the merchant's perspective, they're often spending, you know, mul- you know, 30, 40 percent of their of their revenue is on marketing. And we're proving that we can drive incremental customers than when we're doing the telehealth work. So we take a much smaller percentage than what we're saving the customer. They're able to give the customer a big sale, get most of that money uh, basically, um, and not take a brand hit is how the how they look at it and and, and very much merchants see it as part of their mission. I mean, I mean, you know, evangelizing what they're doing as medicine, which we believe it, it is um, yeah. by any definition. But, but yeah, that our business model is we take a cut of the transaction. The customer doesn't see anything.
1: And presumably, you're growing the pool of people that are interested in these products because they can maybe afford exactly. It now. Exactly. To do it. exactly.
0: I mean, the, the raw economics is that if you know you, the two, the palatons two thousand dollars, but it effectively becomes you know thirteen hundred dollars. You know that drives just economically a different. You know that, that that's material.
1: So. so who can how how can you qualify? Like you mentioned, like asking some questions to get you set up initially. What do you need? That doctor's note that you referred to, or we
0: provide that. Okay. So 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 you you, you so you're on Peloton. You click TrueMed. You will be asked a couple of health questions right there in the survey. Now, in order for something to count for HSA FSA, you just need to tie that item. To whether it prevents or reverses a condition, if you think about it, it's just like a drug, you you can't just you can't just expense a statin on your HSA and say you actually need a note from a doctor saying, hey, this this is helpful to prevent heart disease, um, right? So it's pretty much the same thing. So we have an intake survey, just like going to the doctor's. Hey, what's your family history? What What are you working on preventing? What are you worried about? What do you have? Sixty percent of Americans have a condition right now. So it's you know anxiety, PCOS, chronic fatigue. What? But we, we ask those questions, and if there's something that you're working to reverse that you have right now, or family history, concerned about preventing something, then we our clinician team will make the assessment. But you know you know, if exercise helps with that, that's valid for a note. And we are very direct about this. You know, I think there's a lot of companies kind of, you know, over-prescribing Adderall, kind of bending the rules. We want to be very clear. The American Heart Association has said that every adult in the United States should be on a statin. that we have such a dramatic metabolic health Problem in the country. Well, we agree with them on, on the last part. We, we, we are being crippled by a metabolic health issue. We, we, we actually think most people on almost every American should be on an urgent uh uh urgent plan for exercising broccoli. Um yeah. and uh <laughs> yeah. and, and 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 we are very open, you know, I think medically speaking, just following the science that the vast majority of people, we are prescribing these to the vast majority of people. So, uh, so yeah. If if you are working to prevent or reverse a condition, according to the letter of the IRS, you know you're you're eligible for a prevention plan. You know that will probably include metabolically healthy food, metabolically healthy items like exercise, things like that, which we help to enable.
2: I am so That's excited awesome. about this. Thank I you. Yeah. first of all, I've been arguing with my personal health insurance company and HSA. Right. For the last few years, because I, you know, have these, I have a Peloton subscription service. I have a tonal subscription service. I have all these things I work out, you know, five days a week and I will not get any insurance credit because I am not physically going to the lifetime fitness in my neighborhood. You know, they want so many check-ins per week. And if I'm not doing that, I'm not working out is basically what they're telling me. And it's like so frustrating
0: we're trying to get at. We're trying to. That I think seamlessness is everything. That's what we're trying to. And, and and we got to kind of to your point. We got to get integrated with every as many people as possible. But yeah, it's like everyone should be doing what they want, the habits they want, and they should be saving on it and getting incentivized to do it in a in a most seamless way possible. I'm cynical on it. I really do think insurance companies, unfortunately, are incentivized for costs to go up cause they can only take 15% of, um, of, of the, the medical loss ratio. They have to take, they basically have a 15% cap profit margin, but can raise premiums, um, if they don't get that 15%. So the reason premiums have gone up, 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 is because they're incentivized actually to take 15% of a larger pie. So I am cynical on a lot of these health insurer driven kind of lifestyle things. I think mm-hmm. they're kind of lip service. Um, and that's what I've heard from executives at, some large insurance companies, it's not the main focus because they will lose market share, stock price if costs don't go up. If everyone starts exercising and everyone gets healthier, insurance profits will crumble because they can only get 15% of the pie. If the pie shrinks, their profit will shrink. Yeah.
2: But you'd think corporations' profits would grow because their employees aren't as sick because they're getting healthier and they're more productive. And I mean, it's like... (laughs)
0: It, yeah. it, if we change this, it would be the biggest economic, you know, boom we've ever seen. It would it would be short term, very disruptive for the largest industry in the country, and probably right. short term, actually a, a hit for the economy because so much of our economy is actually tied up in healthcare. But yeah, hundred percent. I actually think corporations are part of the kind of trends that will change this because I think literally large corporations are concerned about the competitiveness of our country and the, mm-hmm. and the workforce. Well,
1: right. And there's so many areas that this has a ripple effect, like you said, productivity. And I think there are just more people listening to these kind of podcasts and taking matters into their own hands. And then the demand hopefully is going to start to dictate what some of these companies do. But- You've shared so much. I feel like our listeners have a lot to yeah. think about <laughs> and ponder and start to question and like tune into what they believe is going on within them. And you've given a lot of strategies. You know, I like that top up and bottom to bottom. Mm,
0: thank you.
1: Top down and bottoms up approach to this. Cause I do think it has to be tackled from multiple levels here. So where you know Kelly, where can people find you? We mentioned the newsletters that you send out, um, which I think are super informative, and they're on like very specific topics each week, which I really enjoy. Thank and you. they're um, short, which is what short. I really. Oh okay.
0: like. I'm trying. I'm trying. Because
1: <laughs> I don't read newsletters that
2: are long. So that's yeah, great.
0: Well, <laughs> yeah. great. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, TrueMed.com is the company, and um, we're we're testing now on some. If you like bone broth, we're integrated with Kettle and Fire bone broth now, and some other awesome. great companies, but, but leveling up some of the, some of the big ones, you know, and love. Um, so trumet.com and we're really excited about that. Trying to seamlessly save money. And then yeah, Cali means uh, I've never, you know, never, never thought I'd be a big tweeter, but uh, it's been a great platform to communicate these issues. We've got a great, great crew of people waking up. So Cali means uh, Twitter. And then my newsletter is linked there. Companies linked there. Um, some other, you know, kind and
1: Instagram. Of-
0: Oh, Instagram. I, yeah. yeah. I'm not on Callie Twitter, means, but I follow I'm you not on, on Instagram either. Callie means on Instagram too. We're posting a lot. So, so Callie means on instant. Thank you for that. Yes.
1: And <laughs> a lot of good video, like just watch that short clip, you know, and it'll get you and then you oh, want to listen yeah, to the yeah. full yeah. thing. You're smart
0: not to be on Twitter. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I
1: deleted my Twitter.
0: That I, is, yeah. that is, that's for the best. That's for the yeah. best. Um, but yeah, that, those are the main places.
2: And we'll link all that up in the show notes. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. And Callie, one question we love to ask all of our guests is: What does the art of living well mean to you?
0: I just think that questioning assumptions and having the courage to question, you know, everything, right, is the path to empowerment. And you know, I think as individuals and as parents, I just think uh, we're being told by society to shut up and listen to the experts, and I just think. Uh, Being smart about it, but like being, being an independent thinker um, and being on each of our own journeys, reading our books, doing our own research, listening to podcasts, I think is really important for health and happiness too. just, just, um, just really thinking for ourselves.
1: That was really powerful. You know, I think it's like become your own expert almost. Yeah, You you, you can be the own expert for your body and your family and think outside the box a little bit. So, and have conversations like this. I mean
0: hundred percent.
1: Yes. Yeah. Cause it is powerful to have a community of people that are all kind of with you together. So you don't feel like you're out on an Island by yourself trying to like, you know, push, push some of these things, which are hard for, I'm thinking parents out there with small kids and I'm thinking you have a 15 month year old. And I just remember, you know, Marty and I both have three kids, but that phase where there were all the birthday parties and the snacks and it drove me crazy back then. And I knew a lot less then than I did now but you're so empowered and you, know, you, you can have that effect in your community as well, just with your own, with your own son. So.
0: 100%. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on our show today. We really
0: enjoyed this conversation. Thanks, Stephanie and Marty.
1: And have a great day. Bye-bye.
2: Thank you so much for listening to the Art of Living Well podcast. We are so grateful that you joined
1: us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or anyone else you think may benefit from this information. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and tag the Art of Living Well podcast on social media.
2: If you want more inspiration in between episodes, you can find us on social media at the Art of Living underscore well on Instagram and Facebook, where we will share snippets from our daily lives and our journey to living well.